but I am glad to be back with you today. And the passage we're going to read in just a moment is powerful. So I'm just going to tell you up front to buckle your seatbelts spiritually, okay? Because it's a powerful passage. But it speaks about decisions. And we know we make decisions all the time. And some have a slight impact. Some are of little import while others are of great impact and make great, uh, have great consequences for us or others. And some of our decisions we make correctly and bless others and bless ourselves. And sometimes we make decisions that are not right. And we hurt ourselves and we hurt others. We all have been there, haven't we? We know some uh, decisions affect us in this life. And some affect us even in the life to come. Listen to this following story. It occurred in 1856. I don't think anybody here was alive then. But there was an American sailing ship, a schooner called the Frost. It had come from Manila all the way to Guam. And it landed in Guam. And there it uh, began to... Uh, well, it was going to disembark when the military surgeon there in the area asked that the schooner be quarantined for at least three days because a crew member had died of smallpox. And they had buried this poor unfortunate soul at sea. So the military surgeon said, you've got to quarantine this ship for at least three days to see if anyone else has contracted the disease. But there was uh, one very wealthy passenger and they give his name I've got his name uh, Paterno I think it was or Palermo or something like that so this one particular person he uh, decides he has just got to find a way and he has got to get off so he and his servant disembarked there well just as soon as they disembarked can you imagine what happened the servant had smallpox there were a little over 8,000 people in Guam at the time. Of that number, 3,644 died of smallpox. 42% of the entire population died because a decision was made to let those people off the boat without having had the recommended quarantine. A decision that changed thousands of lives because of the insistence of one person. Decisions are made that sometimes affect us slightly, sometimes affect others slightly, but sometimes we make decisions that affect us greatly and certainly affect others as well, both positively and negatively. Well, let me tell you something, friends. Jesus made decisions too. And one of the things we've been studying in the Gospel of John, and we've been uh, all the way through the 6th, now we're almost finished with the 7th chapter, is that Jesus made a decision to follow the will of the Father. Not just in the big things, but even the slight little things of life. He decided he was going to be a Jesus, a God follower. And so Jesus became uh, someone who was obedient to the will of God in every way. He made one of the most profound decisions ever we will see in John 7, 37 through 52. So turn there with me. Before we read it, let me remind you that John 7 has three different divisions. 
all of John 7 is talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. That feast that was one of the four holy times of the Jewish year where they celebrated their sojourn and their entrance from the uh, desert experience. So the Feast of Tabernacles was a high holy time and this whole chapter focuses about the time before the feast, during the feast, and this last part is what happened on the last day of the feast. We've also talked about the fact that there were three different reactions to Christ during this chapter 7. First was disbelief, second there was debate, and third, unfortunately, as we've already been studying, there was division about who he was. So, uh, we see this last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. It would be the seventh day of that, uh, course, week, the week of feast. It was very special. Well, what would happen is the priest would walk around the temple seven times around the altar, excuse me. And then he would take water in a particular jug and pour it out symbolically of the water that came out of the rock that quenched the thirst of the Israelites. And so he would walk round and round and then pour the water out. So as that's happening, our Lord Jesus made a decision. I'm going to manifest who I really am. He created quite a scene is all I've got to say. He had, it was what we might call in South Carolina, a situation. And he did it purposefully. So look with me to John 7, beginning in verse 37. As we see what Jesus did, he stands and he shouts on the last and most important day of the festival or the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus stood up and shouted, cried out, If anyone is thirsty, he should come to me and drink. Now remember what I just told you was happening. The priest had gone around the altar seven times. He had poured out this water, symbolic of the, of the desert experience. And now Jesus said, if you really want water that will last, you come to me. Wow. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep, within him. By the way, that's a memory verse that I would like for you to memorize next week. John 7, 38. And by the way, if you come on Wednesday nights, we'll give you a copy of all that we've been learning from the beginning of John. And we'll give you a little time to catch up. But John, verse 38, in chapter 7, is so powerful. Look at it one more time. What does it say? The one who believes in me as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flowing from deep within him. He said this about the spirit of, of whom those who believed in him were going to receive, for the spirit had not yet been received because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And when some from the crowd heard these words, they said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Messiah. But some said, surely the Messiah doesn't come from Galilee, does he? Doesn't the scripture say the Messiah comes from David's offspring? From the town of Bethlehem where David once lived? We just celebrated that, of course, at Christmas time. 
So a division occurred among the crowd because of him. We've already seen this same division occur earlier in the chapter as they misunderstand where Jesus really was born. So a division occurred among the crowd because of him. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. And then the temple police came to the chief priests, to the Pharisees, who asked, him, asked them, why haven't you brought him? The police answered, no man ever spoke like this. They're afraid of him. Then the Pharisees responded to them, are you fooled too? Have any, of the, have any of the rulers believed in him or any of the Pharisees? But this crowd, dumb, uneducated people, you see. That's what they were really saying. This crowd, you can just hear the sarcasm roll off their tongue. But this crowd, they're the ones who don't know the law is accursed. Then look at verse 50, Nicodemus, the one who had come to him previously, being one of them, being one of the Pharisees, said to them, our law doesn't judge a man before it hears from him and knows what he's doing, does it? And Then they respond back to him, you are from Galilee, are you? They replied, investigate and you will see no prophet arises from Galilee. So each went to Galilee. His house. Wow. What a decision our Lord Jesus made to make a clear stand for who he was. He knew he was drawing a line in the sand. He knew from this point on there was no turning back. He had said, here I am and here is what I stand for. Listen first of all to his plea. Yes, he was referring to anecdotally to the experience of Israel recorded in Exodus 17 verses 1 through 7. But he is giving us a picture of the Spirit of God. And he, would say, he is saying, if you would come to me, you would not only have living water in me, but it would flow out from you to those around you. You'd become a channel of living water. Water satisfies thirst and produces fruitfulness. But he's saying the Spirit of God satisfies the inner person. And while they were reenacting a tradition that could satisfy no one, Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you something that will last forever. You come to me and you will have living water flowing up from within you. Had he not already said that to the woman at the well in Samaria? Remember what he said to her? My version is, honey child, you don't even know the gift of God and who it is. And I would give you living water. Here Jesus is saying to all the people there at the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles, I am the living water. You come to me and I'll give it to you. And you'll become a channel of living water to others as well. So listen to his plea. You've seen the priests go around the altar but what I'm offering to you will last and satisfy more than anything they've ever done for you. Listen to his plea, but second, look at the result of the declaration and look at this invitation. 
Well, they were divided. Some believed in him. Some defended him. I mean, some said, this is the prophet. Some said, this is the Messiah. And so some did defend him, and yet others wanted to arrest him. Now, we've already seen that in chapter 7. In fact, verse 12, verse 31, and verse 40. We've already seen these numerous attempts by the law, by the spiritual leaders to come and take hold of our Lord Jesus. Yet they did not. We wonder if they had only examined the truth of what Jesus was saying, they would have submitted to him and had a wonderful worship experience right then and there. But the temple police returned back to the chief priest and the scribes and said, well, we don't have him. What do you mean you don't have him? We sent you out to get him. Well, we don't have him. Well, why don't you have him? Well, because nobody ever spoke like that before. Excuse me? That's your excuse for not arresting this man because he spoke differently? But what happened? The truth is they went out to arrest Jesus, but he arrested them. His words stopped them in their tracks. Where were you when God stopped you and got your attention? At some point, somewhere, sometime, didn't God get your attention? Remember the apostle Saul to become Paul. He was on that road to Damascus when a blinding light arrested him. We'll talk about him in just a moment more. But friends, sometimes the word of God just arrests us. It stops us. And we know we've been changed forevermore. They realize this man's different than any man we've ever seen before. But they couldn't look past their prejudices and their superficial examination. They wanted to label people. Even the chief priests and Pharisees, what did they say? Well, this crowd. You see the derisiveness of their spirit? This crowd, they might believe in him, but have you noticed, Mr. Policeman, none of the fancy people believe in him because we're too smart, you see. But many in the crowd did believe in him. These common people, no, they knew nothing about the law, but they knew reality when they saw it. They knew Jesus was real. We should not be surprised at all that these religious leaders rejected him. It had happened before, it happened, and it would happen again. But what happened? Nicodemus spoke up, didn't he? By the way, if you're a good Bible scholar, you'll know that Nicodemus is mentioned three times in the Gospel of John. But it's interesting because this is a man who was fascinated first by the miracles of Jesus. But now he comes to Jesus' defense. He said, now wait a minute guys, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't we have some laws that say you're supposed to give a person a hearing before you convict them? Isn't there a little bit of a due diligence you're supposed to go through? Wait a minute, have you, have you even listened to this man? And so he was right in asking for a fair trial. But let me tell you something, friends. Here's what was happening. You see, when you can't refute the argument, you attack the speaker. And so they begin attacking Nicodemus. Wait a minute. Are you from Galilee too? We all know nothing good comes out of Galilee. Are you one of those too? So they begin attacking Nicodemus. What an amazing situation. He just wanted them to consider the word 
He wanted to consider the works of Jesus. Just take a look. Just take a look and see and you'll find this man is different for a good reason. But they wouldn't even listen to Nicodemus. And last, let's look at the application. Let's look at the application. You've got to feel sorry for these people a little bit. These people who responded to Jesus in, in the wrong ways. In fact, this is not the first time in, in, in chapter 7 that we've seen this. Even his own half-brothers, we saw this earlier, had misunderstood him. But my friends, we need to understand that people today are making the same wrong decisions. People today are making the wrong uh, commitment, excuse me, lack of commitment. They have the same lack of commitment. People today are rejecting and becoming divided over who Jesus is and was. What do we need to do? We need to show them the Lord Jesus, that he can change our lives. We need to show them the practical way that indeed Christ changes who we are. We need to pray for those around us that the God of this age will blind them no more. I was just looking earlier in the scripture and it's so powerful. Because one place in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul talked about the fact that the God of this age, first, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. We need to pray that the God of this world would no longer have sway over the hearts and minds of those around us. The invitation that Jesus offered, the stand that he took, and its accompanying decisions stands today. He still says this morning to us in 2020, do you have living water flowing within you? And I ask that to you who've come here today. Does the living water of Jesus Christ flow through your spiritual veins? The same decision that Christ called for 2,000 years plus ago we call for today, would you give your life to Christ? Would you allow the living water that he offers to flow through you even today? And then would you become a channel of blessing so that living water might flow out to others as well? I pray that your answer is yes, I will. Yes, I will. Yes, I will become that Jesus follower as Christ was that God follower. I will follow him in the little and I will follow him in the big ways. So what do we ask you to do? There are three things I want you to do. Pray like Paul that the God of this age will blind people no more. Number two, defend like Nicodemus. And number three, live like Jesus. I want you to say those out loud with me this morning. What is the application for us? Number one, we are to pray like Paul. We're to defend like Nicodemus. And number three, to live like Jesus. That ought to be our New Year's resolution. Now I've decided I'm going to lose some weight in 2020. Anybody else made that decision? Huh? Raise your hands if you're telling a lie. No, I'm really going to try. I'm going to try. I'm doing some things to change some things. Right, Dale? Well, don't, don't shrug your shoulders. Huh? I'm on my way, she says. That's her nice way of saying you'll never make it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I got such support at home. Let me just tell you. No, she's helping me. She's helping me. We went to the grocery store last, store last night. I said, don't you get none of them things I like. 
and she put them all back. See, she, she did. She's helping me. But let me tell you what resolutions we ought to be making. Pray that the God of this age will no longer have sway over Taylor, South Carolina. And Greenville and Greer and all the surrounding areas. Pray the God of this age will no longer hold sway. And he does now. Number two, defend like Nicodemus. Take a stand for Christ at the workplace, in the schoolhouse, in the neighborhood, and say, just watch and see who he is. Take an honest look at who Christ was and what he did, and you'll be convinced of the validity of who he is. And number three, we need to live in such a way that we will draw people to and not distract people from the reality of who Jesus is. Can somebody say amen on that? Would you pray with me? Father God, I just ask that living water would flow through every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place. Lord Jesus, please speak to every heart through your Holy Spirit that this might be a time of decision, just like Jesus made a clear line-in-the-sand decision that today we would make decisions, whether public or private, we would make decisions to let living water flow through us that we might pray like never before, defend like never before, and live like never before. Lord Jesus, guide us to make these resolutions serious. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name.